So the job hunting process may come with a lot of rejections and a lot of work. You have to update your portfolio, update your LinkedIn, identify roles, do kind of that pre-interview research, actually do the interviews. So it can be really challenging, but I think people need to remember that by engaging in this process every day, they're moving the mark forward. And that if you are persistent, you will get a job and you are learning in every interview and every application you write, you're getting better and better. You're practicing these skills. So just be really kind to yourself and keep on fighting the good fight. Hello, you've reached Hotline Design Podcast. How may we help you? And welcome back to Hotline Design Podcast. In this week's episode, we carry on with our job hunt series and talk all about the exciting, but sometimes dreaded, applying and interviewing phase. We run through the 10 commandments of perfect application at job interview practices. So ladies, I have to know, how have your weeks been? Yeah, really good, actually. My week has consisted of two really big workshops, both with two different clients, both discovery workshops. But I haven't run a workshop in quite a while because we were kind of just like wireframing and prototyping with other clients. And I kind of forgotten how accomplished you can feel at the end of it. You get this clarity and you're kind of like, oh, I know what I'm doing next. So yeah, that was really enjoyable. And also last week when I went into the office, I picked up some books that we had there, three a book apart books. And I really, really was like, okay, tonight is the night. I'm going to start reading them. And I haven't read any of them. And uh, I'm a tiny bit like, I don't know what is stopping me from for making the time because I'm excited to read about them. But I, I just haven't. So yeah, that's that's mainly my week. How about you? Yeah, that's a that's a great update, Lavinia. But I totally feel you when you know you have like all these exciting books to read, and then yeah, for some reason you just kind of have other things going on, and then you feel quite distressed. Or well, maybe I'm speaking for you, but I definitely feel that because every day I'm like, this is the day I am finally going to finish reading the design of everyday things, and you know that day never happens unless I consciously like tell myself or will myself to read it. So I can totally empathize with how you're feeling, but I'm sure. You'll get there eventually. And on my part, work's been going quite well. Um, I've just been doing a lot of like check-in calls with my developer. It's been really useful because I work on some designs and then I kind of hand that off and then we get on a call to clarify how exactly that's going to pan out in development. On the personal side, I've just been taking lots of long walks. I found some extremely tasty cinnamon and cardamom bun yesterday. They are so good, but so expensive. So I might try and figure out how to make my own, although sadly I fear it will never be as good. But yeah, I love a good baked treat. Yeah, shout out to Fabrique. This is not sponsored, but if you would like to sponsor us in cinnamon and cardamom buns, we will be more than happy to accept them. Yes, please. Yeah, so it has been a jam-packed week. So on the podcast front, we have stumbled across the greatest tool, thanks to my pal Sean, who recommended Descript. And Descript is basically like the Google Docs of podcast editing. So it just puts everything into words. It's like an amazing transcription. 
kind of product. Um, and then instead of just having to go through kind of squiggly like wave formations, you can just go through words and take things out. So I don't think I've encountered such a life-changing product since Notion. So every day is amazing because it might not sound like it, but actually editing these podcasts take about six hours. <laughs> so it, any way we can reduce the editing time is absolutely amazing. And then on a work front, if you remember from a few episodes back, I talked about fighting the good fight and finally getting just a board for design tickets on my current project and we finally got this like secondhand board that they're repurposing for us which is like fine um so the other designer and i are working away on our tickets and then they want to start raising these kind of user testing bugs just for like the live site and the click through and so they've just started using our board our design ticket board for these bugs which are kind of in the developers domains our poor board is just infested with bugs. And it's really funny because the tickets for bugs have like a little red bug on them. So we were losing some of our tickets because there were just so many of these like little bugs piling up. Oh no. So we've had to create an entire new column mm -hmm. to just like keep the bugs in their own corner. An infestation on a board is, is not a pretty sight. And then in terms of YouTube addiction updates, Yusin recommended this Vice documentary on cults. And of course, when you watch one Vice documentary on cults, the algorithm knows what's good and recommends them all. So I'd like to say I have a PhD in Vice documentaries on cults at this stage. I've put in the hours. Do you have a fave? Oh, man. I think even the one that Yusin recommended, which was all about the cult leader being mother and Donald Trump is like the father figure in this call. It's all very confusing and nonsensical, which is why it ultimately is the perfect vice documentary. Well, I'm glad to see that you've taken up my recommendations. I also feel bad for like wasting your time and probably I'm going to waste a bunch of other listeners time. People who listen to this podcast are going to be like, Oh, let me go Google like what <laughs> love has one is all about. Sorry. It's got entertainment value, not a waste of time. Speaking of things I would worship at the altar of, this week's episode is all about the job hunt and kind of getting to that interview and application stage. We present to you a quick overview of the job market from the ground. We call it Helping You Nav with Captain Love. I have no words for how great that is. <laughs> Take it away, Captain Love. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm definitely gonna take it away. So I think we talked a little bit about this in our part one. Um, but obviously, like, your goals for the job hunt will be maybe just like mine or maybe very different from mine. So take everything with, with a pinch of salt. But what I've learned is that trying to apply to remote jobs is incredibly competitive. However... It is like the complete opposite when you're thinking about local jobs. So locally, there seems to not be enough UXers. Like there's such a demand. And um, I think we all get loads of like LinkedIn messages about opportunities and so on. But no one really messages you on LinkedIn about a remote job because they've got such an abundance of um, designers. And it is quite intimidating the I guess the caliber of people you are competing against when it is remote 
it's obviously very empowering as well because you probably want to kind of become a better designer to compete in the market but it is quite scary so I have to be honest at the start I was quite disappointed because I wanted a, a remote job and I took some of the rejections personally but locally I had quite a bit of success in terms of processes they are a mix like obviously the the usual interview is a given. I've done a lot of portfolio presentations and I've done a few tasks, but I was very careful not to accept tasks that felt like work almost. So a few of the tasks were part of the interview process where you kind of get a script and it's literally like a like a one hour thing where you basically wanted to talk them through your process and things like that. Um, it's literally just to kind of test your thinking. And then the only take home job was very much like made up thing it's not something like some companies can tell you oh solve this problem for us and it's actually something that they could go live with and you've basically done free work so yeah it, it, there's been quite quite a mix in like processes but yeah I think that's the summary I find that really interesting because, you know, a lot of designers are now starting to kind of push back, especially when companies are like, oh, can you just do this redesign for us quickly as part of the interview mm -hmm. process? I don't think that's necessarily ethical because you're basically asking this person to kind of invest their time in like creating something that will ultimately benefit your business without the promise of financial remuneration for their time or even without the promise of a job, right? So I think that's a really good point you raised that, you know, you should be careful about tasks like these, especially in the very early part of that job application process. I think we talked about red flags last week on our part one. Absolutely. And actually this might also be one of those red flags to look out for as a designer. Yeah, I had a question for you, Lavinia. So given that, you know, we all kind of met at a consulting company and that was maybe your first job after you graduated from university, how, how do you think your most recent experience of applying to jobs has differed from your out-of-school job hunt that landed you at a consultancy? And what were you surprised by? Yeah, I think it is very different because when I applied to the job that we are in, I actually was applying for an internship and then the internship got me the graduate job. So it was a very different process where it's kind of very regimented almost. So if you remember when we apply for grad jobs, it tends to be like one telephone interview, one interview, one... What are those group tasks? Do you remember them? Like uh assessment days yeah, or something one of those and if you go from company to company the process is basically the same uh for graduate jobs with what i'm finding now maybe it's because it's more specialized the process is not as predictable i would say i absolutely loved when companies were very transparent but in all honesty 90 percent of the time i had to ask what the next steps are and how i can prepare it wasn't as transparent although i will say i think hotjar if you look at their website they have the most transparent process in the world and it's actually really brilliant it tells you exactly what to prepare at which each stage and they give you a task and they pay you for it so i think that was my surprise by how it felt like they were unprepared to recruit people almost that's not necessarily surprising because i guess everyone is really busy these days but it wasn't very well organized often. And that did surprise me. And that was a, one of the main differences. In a way, I feel like, yeah, for employers, it might be a bit of a scramble because you could have someone in a role for like three years and then all of a sudden they kind of give like mm. 
anywhere from two months to two weeks notice, depending on their contract, and then they're gone. So it seems like if they need to find a replacement so that there's kind of no discrepancy in the role, they need to find someone in a rather short period of time. Yeah, I yeah I definitely empathize with that with that situation, and I think it it is the case very often. So yeah, um, it was surprising ish, I guess. Yeah, if you if you kind of think about it from the employer perspective, it's not that surprising. Well, thank you so much for sharing those insights, Captain Love. So in terms of making sure our listeners are perfectly prepared for the job hunt, for the application phase for the interview phase, we have outlined the 10 job hunt commandments. And I absolutely love that idea. Uh, I have to credit you, Lauren, for it. I think it's brilliant. So we have the first commandment of the job hunt, and that is groometh by LinkedIn. (laughs) What we mean by that is make sure your LinkedIn is up to date and you don't have like maybe all of your sports team from high school, uh, unless I guess they're relevant to your job hunt and make sure you kind of update the what you achieved in every job. And if possible, if you are looking to go to a specific company, maybe you can already highlight the things that you would in the cover letter in your long LinkedIn profile, maybe get a little bit more active. I think that really helps put you on the radar for recruiters. And I actually have a little story here where in my job hunt, someone started speaking to me in Spanish on the phone. And I was like, I'm really sorry, I don't know Spanish. And they were like, your LinkedIn says it, you do. Oopsie no bueno. Oopsie no bueno. I know like the littlest of Spanish. And I did put... um, Elementary? Is that... Yeah, I put below elementary. It was like novice, novice in Spanish. But this person just like started speaking fluently. And then, yeah, I went on my LinkedIn and I was like, okay, I'll I'll just delete this. Because, yeah, Duolingo didn't prepare me for that. Bad, bad birdie. (laughs) Yep. Actually, one thing that I saw on LinkedIn the other day is that you can now add LinkedIn certified badges to some of the skills you list on your profile. And... um, I think I talk a lot about knowing Adobe Illustrator and I was like, I'm going to do this LinkedIn quiz like to make sure that I have the certification. It's actually quite hard. Yeah, I mean, it's just a really quick and easy way. You just take a quiz of 15 questions and then I don't know what the pass rate is. I think like 80% maybe. And then as long as you pass those like 12 questions, you get the badge in your profile. And I think LinkedIn might actually use those skills to kind of recommend your profile to recruiters or people looking. So that is one way to quickly tidy up your LinkedIn profile. I'm going to cut all my future job prospects in, in half with this, but I can't be trusted with something like that. Like I would Google my way through all the 15 questions and I would be an expert in everything. I'd be like, yeah, I did that. I did everything. Yes. She's gold in Googling. Just exactly. expert level. Exactly. Platinum Googler. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can put that on my Google. Give me a job. Thank you. <laughs> Googled my way through all of these certifications. Oh my gosh. On that note, there was a kid at my high school that his yearbook quote, he put, thanks so much, Google and Wikipedia for all the help I couldn't have gone through without you. And at the last minute, we had to take it out of the yearbook because he had multiple plagiarism charges against him. 
throughout his high school experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Googling, the second commandment is knoweth thy company. And what better way to do that than through the help of our best friend Google? Make sure that when you apply to jobs, you know a list of essential tidbits about the company, specifically what they do, you know, the size of the company. I guess some facts like their history maybe isn't as relevant, but if you can find any fun facts about the company culture or anything that the company might have published in their own thought leadership page that you can sprinkle in, that would be a really great way of showing the interviewer that you've done your research um, and can actually potentially while your interview as well. Definitely. And along the lines of know with thy company, we have covet thy insider perspective. It's so important to one, understand how the company wants to present itself a bit more about the company, but also to seek out individuals who work for the company and really understand their experience. So some places you can do that. Glassdoor is a good one where people kind of say it like it is. You can also kind of get an indication of like pay so that you can have a benchmark to see if what you are getting offered is kind of in line with that. Also, you can reach out to people you know or leverage your network, friends of friends maybe, that work at the company you're interested in. Or there is the opportunity to just kind of interact with strangers. So you can do that over Lunch Club, which is an app which connects you to individuals in specific industries. Or just even kind of the LinkedIn like cold ping. I, I know that not necessarily for my job, but for the program I did in school, about three times a year, I get people that just search based off of like the program I did at school, but it'd be very similar for jobs and just reach out and say, hi, I'm interested in applying. Are there any tips you can share? I've got some of these questions. Can you answer them? And you take the risk that people won't answer. But for the most part, if you're quite friendly, I think a lot of people can empathize with being at that kind of initial stage that you're at, that discovery phase, and will reply and try to be helpful. Absolutely. And for those keeping score at home, this brings us to job commandment number four. Bringeth thy sacred portfolio scrolls. And I really struggle with that word, sacred. Sac sacred. sacred. <laughs> yes, that one. So portfolios are what brings us a lot of joy, but often a lot of pain on hotline design. However, they are basically what gets you the job. If your portfolio isn't up to scratch, then you basically probably won't be invited for an interview. That is the harsh reality of it. Some tips are very obvious, but I have seen people miss out on opportunities because of not following through. And one big one is make sure your portfolio is accessible easily. If you do have a password, make sure you have shared it via email or maybe it's on your CV and the recruiter can access it. Also, what is really important, often we overestimate the importance of visuals, but you need to show your thinking as well. And I hope you already know this. Uh, if you are listening to a podcast about design, you probably do. But it is quite incredible how many portfolios I come across where it's just like a few screenshots and a sentence. 
and you don't know what part that designer played into the process and what kind of team they were part of. All of these important things that make a recruiter decide on if you are the right candidate or not. Another great tip when it comes to your portfolio is to have answers ready to some of the frequently asked questions. One of them can be, if you had five extra sprints, what would you have done differently? Or things like, what have you learned from this experience? What was your biggest challenge in delivering this? All of these questions are very commonplace when you go through your portfolio and it's important you have answers at the ready. And I guess the last tip I have with our commandment is to also put your portfolio in a presentable format. So if you do have the time, you can win a lot of like points by putting in the extra effort to summarize your portfolio in a few slides that you presented to the interviewer rather than just sharing your screen and scrolling down your portfolio because they can definitely do that on their own and they probably have. But if you put it in a presentable format, I think you add a lot more context to your process and I think that can really set you apart. Yeah, I think those are some really great practical tips and I think that helps us move into the next point really, the next commandment which is honour thy process. I think this is quite design specific and builds on what you were talking about. So in many design interviews at some stage of the process you will be given a design challenge or a whiteboarding challenge and it's really important to think aloud and kind of follow or illustrate the steps that you would go through to solve this design challenge because this gives the interviewer a fuller picture of your thinking and your underlying process and allows you to also show a greater breadth of knowledge. I don't know actually Lavinia because you've been through a few whiteboard challenges. How did you find you know this part of the process? Yeah I think you kind of touched on it very well. One of the fun challenges I had was to redesign a soap machine which it was only happening in one hour I think but what the interviewer wanted to see is how I would think through the problem, the questions I would ask, because they would basically be the client in this situation. And they were basically interested in that a lot more than they were in my wireframes, which I did with like Sharpies on, on pieces of paper. But yeah, I think you already touched on this. If you have a very clear process in mind and a few questions, maybe at the ready beforehand of what to ask and what you would like clarity on on a whiteboarding challenge. I think that can really make the process easy for you. Bonus tips, listen to our Double Diamond episodes for more information on the design process. We're not sponsored by Hotline Design Podcast. (laughs) We are Hotline Design. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And tip number six is thou shall serve leaks. I put this one in here because I think it's really important to do things for yourself that make you feel confident, make you feel ready to tackle a challenge of an interview. So whether that is, you know, taking the morning off to reduce stress so that you're not receiving like work pings and having to like lead a double life of having your day job, but also applying for another role. That's one element eat a full breakfast so you've got a full stomach and you're just ready to knock it out of the park. Of course, dress to impress. As you know, I have a bias for power blazers. The bigger the shoulder pads, the bigger the dreams. So I think really put your best foot forward and take that time to invest in yourself so that you come up confident, prepared, 
and and just ready to knock it out of the park. Love that. I mean, I guess I haven't really had to do interviews in a while, but I had to do an interview for my current project, and I always try to just do a bit exercise, but even before, like do a quick workout or like drink lots of coffee, because I think that really sets you in the zone, and just you know that adrenaline rush will kind of keep you going and make you feel more confident. So that's why you have a CrossFit tractor tire in the background. <laughs> You've exposed me. Oh no. <laughs> Do you guys remember what you wore for your job interview for the company we all met at? I actually do. Yeah. It was all the way in 2015, if you can believe that. But I had a white blouse and basically just black office trousers and boots. But I was so out of my comfort zone because that's not how I dress. Like if you met me, you know, I'm in jeans and trainers all the time. And yeah, I was a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I'm so glad Oxford shoes exist. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if that's just me, but I feel like ballet flats are absolutely lovely, but I almost feel like I don't wear any shoes when I have them. And then I don't want to wear heels because mm. I can't walk in them. And I feel like Oxford shoes are kind of just like the perfect office shoe. So I'm very grateful for them. So that's what I was wearing. Yeah, heels are very funny because I I think it's so hard to walk in them. And I can just imagine going into the interview room and like tripping and stumbling in your heels. And someone's like, yes, give that Bambi on ice a job. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yusin, do you remember what you wore? Um, I do. I think I probably wore a blazer, you know, with like shoulder pads and stuff. But like Lavinia, if we had to do job interviews right now, I would be really, really grateful for that, that you don't actually have to wear shoes. You can just put a smart looking top on and even wear like pajama trousers and like no one would know unless you stood up halfway during the interview. But but yeah, I think I'm all about, I love that tip about just wearing something that makes you feel comfortable. I feel that when I was applying for the current job I'm in, again, similar to Lavinia, I actually did an internship interview and then got a job offer off the back of that. So it's been years, but I remember just feeling like I didn't really like being in super corporate attire. Whereas I think now, you know, we might have a bit more flexibility to dress how we want to, even if it's a bit more casual. And I think I would do that rather than putting on heels because I would just feel so uncomfortable walking in them. What about you, Lauren? So I just wore like a a white and black blazer coat flipped my like little bob under I I think when I showed up to the group interview I looked like everyone's like successful New York mom which was the exact look I was going for get her the job I remember the first day of our training and Lavinia was there and almost everyone I don't know if there was a group chat that I was not a part of but everyone was wearing gray black or navy all the guys all the gals I showed up in a bright red Zara jacket. Yes, red. And there was a photographer there that day, I guess just taking like promotional shots. And I think it looked really cheesy. Like it was like (laughs) the corporate rebel (laughs) in the sea of navy, just really glaring red, like fire engine. (laughs) Serve Luke's is the moral of the story. Commandment number seven. Ask thine questions. Have I said thine correctly? 
Um, I think this commandment is one of my favorites because remember, you are not the only one being interviewed. You are supposed to also interview the company. You are supposed to also find out if they are a good fit for you, the same way they're trying to find out if you're a good fit for them. So I used to come up with like this, I don't know, scroll of like 20 questions that never got really asked, but I was trying to sprinkle them throughout the process rather than keep them to the end. But as we kind of said in the last episode, when you know what your goals are, make sure you kind of work backwards from them and ask questions that allow you to have the best information to make sure that this job aligns with the goals that you want from your next opportunity. I know that like the ones that I always ask are if I can meet the person that I will probably report to and some of the people in my team because I think it's quite awkward to kind of turn up on the day first time and you have never met your manager. So if possible, I always want to kind of meet the person that I will be reporting to within the process and because I strongly believe that that can really affect your career I think you can get the vibe of the person very quickly and if they say anything that doesn't align then you can quickly understand that that's not the opportunity for you I do remember once I turned up to an interview and they were there my potential future manager was really frazzled I remember they were like really stressed and they were like oh yeah like I'm sorry I'm late like oh this is actually not one of my worst weeks this is actually quite chill but I have so much on blah 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 and I felt like I I just didn't want to be in that environment so (laughs) yeah always make sure you can meet as many people as possible that you would actually work with one question that I like to ask which is pretty bold so I would say definitely if you've got a good relationship with the interviewer in the kind of short period of time you've spent together but if you think that they could be real I like to ask them what their top two favorite things are about the company and then what their least favorite things are asking like it is bold to ask but asking what their least favorite things are like it kind of takes them off guard and then use the power of silence to try to get them to fill it you can actually garner a lot of insights into the company and like their qualms at the end of the day a lot of people like to kind of complain about things so you can really kind of get that that peek under the hood if you will around the same vibes I also like to ask why they're recruiting and like why the person I'm replacing left obviously they might not be fully honest but I think you can read through that if they aren't and Yeah, I think it's a very similar along the lines of like, what are the least favorite things you like? Or like, why has this person not decided to move on? So yeah. In the spirit of questions to ask, I think you can ask the interview as well. You know, if I do end up getting a position, is there anything I can do to develop my skills? Or is there anything I can quickly learn, you know, while waiting to officially join the role? And I think that kind of demonstrates that you're really thinking that you're going to be actively contributing to this company and you're also taking some proactive steps to prepare yourself before you start the job. And also just trying to make the whole like process of job hunting a bit more human, especially with everything going on 
with COVID, it's ultimately down to you to gauge whether this question will be well received. But you can ask the company what they're doing to support people through COVID or, you know, what their stance is on workplace issues or inclusion and diversity. And I think that kind of links into something we talked about last week as well. Culture is really important. And sometimes you also want to ask them these questions to see if the culture of the new organisation is a good fit for your own values and aspirations. If you remember Dragos from episode 15, along the lines of how they support people and things like that, he likes to ask, what are your people problems? And I I actually asked Dragos, what do you expect out of that question? Because to be honest, I, I would have no idea how to answer that personally. It, it was more of a wanted to see how the interviewer would deal with the question and if they would be honest and kind of surface some of the problems rather than kind of lie through and say, oh, we we don't have any. Like, basically, we don't have any people problems is probably the biggest red flag because they either are lying or they're very non-self-aware and don't think about the people around them very much. What if they just go in about their work nemesis? Like, Janice from payroll. First thing that's wrong with Janice. <laughs> Second thing that's wrong with Janice. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess a bit of a disclaimer. We're not necessarily saying that all these questions are things you need or must ask, but sometimes it can be quite good for revealing what the company is like and throwing a bit of a curveball really to the interview and making an impression. Moving on to the next commandment, commandment number eight, keepeth thy score. I guess as designers or like glorified organizers, we really like being able to organize the job hunting process and just, you know, keep track of everything going on because it's likely that you're not just applying to a handful of jobs, especially in this competitive job market. Sometimes you do kind of need to apply to multiple things or look for a while. And one way of doing that is just kind of creating a document to organize all of the jobs you've applied to, what the various stages are, keeping track of, you know, if you've sent in your CV and cover letter and what the outcome of that is. And we really, really like using Notion. Again, you know, not sponsored. We've mentioned them on this podcast many times, but Notion just makes it so easy to create like a table to keep track of everything going on. If you prefer Excel, yeah, that's fine too. I find that this is really good just for keeping you accountable and just helping you understand what else you need to do for some of the jobs you've applied to, like if you're missing any documents or if you just kind of want to regularly reflect on where you are in that job hunting process and also use that as a way of like tracking the metrics of your job search, that would be a really useful way of doing it. Definitely. And the ninth commandment is looketh inside and beeth kind. So the job hunt and interview phase can oftentimes be really daunting and quite a discouraging process in that a lot of people associate their standing and self-worth with their jobs and how they're doing in that arena. So the job hunting process may come with a lot of rejections and a lot of work. You have to update your portfolio, update your LinkedIn, identify roles, do kind of that pre-interview research, actually do the interviews. So it can be really challenging, but I think people need to remember that by engaging in this process every day, they're moving the mark forward. And that if you are persistent, you will get a job and you are learning in every interview and every application you write, you're getting better and better. You're practicing these skills. So just be really kind to yourself and keep on fighting the good fight. And finally, 
We don't have a 10th commandment, but what we do have are amazing, amazing musical transitions. So before we dive into Hotline Design Hotline, we have to give a shout out to the OG friend of the pod, a long, long time listener and repeat caller, the mover, the shaker, the content creator, Mr. Stephen Brown. He has made three fantastic transition beats. As some of you may remember when he came on the pod, he talked about his amazing skills in creating music and he agreed to make these transitions for us. So we are so happy to unveil the three hotline design transition soundtracks. First up for our transitions, Hotline Chill. Hello. For those who are living for the drama, we present Hotline Danger. Hello? Tension. And finally, Hotline Farm for those headed towards greener pastures. Full disclosure, we will be making those our own personal ringtones. Absolutely, yeah. Three beats, three ringtones, three hosts. Yep, it's It's perfect. perfect. So, Stephen, thank you so much. These are outstanding and we love you so much here at the pod. Thank you. Speaking of things we love, we've got another hotline design hotline caller. Another one. (laughs) even more hey hotline design hotline i'm becky a long-time listener and first-time caller i'm thinking of switching companies and going on a job hunt because of the pandemic all my interviews will be virtual do you have any tips on how i can do my best on a virtual interview thanks thanks so much for calling becky i think that's a great question especially speaking to this current pandemic landscape that we find ourselves in so i think by doing virtual interviews you really have a home court advantage in that you've got all your creature comforts you're at home you're in a safe space and you don't have to like run across town get into your interview and you know like the tube is down so you're running you know several blocks and panting by the time you get there so i think one we've got that it's a little bit more relaxed two This is a little naughty, a little sneaky, but you could always put some bullet points just like at the corner of your screen. So when you're giving the interview, you've just got like some little tidbits to refer to. Really helps to jog the memory and make sure that you're bringing up really important points. Finally, another tip is to turn off the view of yourself. If you really want to focus, I find that I spend a lot of meetings like looking at myself in the camera so if you really want to focus i would say turn off the view of yourself you probably don't need to be like kind of fixing your hair mid-interview uh you'd be a lot more kind of attentive if it's just the person who's interviewing you on the screen and then finally i really like to try to get to know the interviewer as a person this might be actually a bit easier in person but i like to kind of incorporate some element of small talk 
if they've got something in the background or if they've got a cat that like scampers across the screen. I find you can really connect with them on a human level by kind of bringing that up. And I know we're all starved for social interaction. So it's nice to just kind of have that inform a little bit before you dive in and to even try to loop that around for the end of the interview to really kind of solidify that like memorable, good, friendly vibe. I love it. I feel like mine are a lot more practical and I will start with the hopefully obvious but not always. I guess these are my favorite kind of tips these days. But absolutely check all of the tech. Like make sure before that your microphone is working properly, your camera is at a good angle. A great tip is also to kind of put your computer where you are kind of like facing the camera at an eye level that would be almost natural. So not necessarily coming from above you or from below you to make it almost feel like you are talking face to face with someone as much as possible. But I can't stress enough all of the technical tests that you should be doing to make sure that everything works fine. Such a big one is chargers. Mm. Like if your laptop, especially if you're like in full screen, sometimes you can't see the like little battery. So if you like lose power, that just shuts down the entire interview. Absolutely. Yeah, so check all of the tech. Don't kind of miss out on an opportunity for like a very small thing like that. I would also say prepare yourself as if you were actually going to an interview in an office. I know we were joking about kind of like having pajamas underneath and things, but I think it really helps your mental state when you kind of had a shower and kind of freshen up, freshen yourself up and um, yeah, just kind of made yourself look and feel confident. Um, I do think that makes makes a huge difference. Oh yeah, that reminds me of that reporter. I can't remember what channel it was, but I think he was wearing a shirt and then he had his boxes underneath and then, you know, the camera angle wasn't great. So everyone realized that he was actually wearing boxes. And obviously it's not a huge faux pas, especially because people are understanding, but not on a job interview though. Um, I think <laughs> it'd be pretty mortifying. So. So yeah, I, I think what you said about just preparing as if you were going to an actual interview is such a great tip. Like, you know, just block a bit of buffer time before you start your interview, like make sure you do your tech check, your camera set up, and that you're good to go. Like you have the, the, the files on your screen, um, ready to share your screen if you need to. And also just um, make sure you quit any social media platforms or anything that could potentially distract you with notifications. Because I feel like sometimes I forget about having WhatsApp running in the background on desktop. And then everyone can hear when you get a WhatsApp message. So just do a quick check of that. Oh, I completely agree. I actually think what you said about the having all of the documents open and everything can yeah, just close everything. Like for example, if it's a if it's a Zoom interview and your usual team thing you have a slack that gives you notifications and stuff i i just closed that and made sure that i have my portfolio ready my presentation and things like that but nothing else and yusin already touched on this and uh, mentioned how good like exercise is but i actually think there's research around kind of letting go of some of the maybe stress and anxiety you feel before an interview with a little bit of exercise i used to like run in place and do like what's those star Jumping jumps, jacks? jumping jacks, yeah, or um, 
and a little bit of breathing beforehand and it really helps because it takes some of that anxiety a little bit out um, and you are in a much better mental state. The interviewer was like, your camera was on the entire time. <laughs> yeah. We'd like to recruit you for the military. Exactly. He's saying, well, Becky, thank you so, so much for calling in to Hotline Design Hotline. And as always, if you have a question, you can always call in at anchor.fm slash hotline design pod. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at hotline design pod and Gmail hotline design pod at gmail.com.